Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, right, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be into some questions that we have after the Mavericks' first game versus the Phoenix Suns, in which they lost 107-105 to 105 the other day. We already have the post-game recap. If you guys want to go ahead and listen to that, that is up on um, whatever platforms you guys listen to, um, on. It's posted all over our Twitter and all that. So if you want to listen to that, if you so please, go ahead and check that out. But today we're just going to be getting into some questions that have arose uh, since then that have kind of been dominating the uh, the topic of discussion, I guess, on Mavs Twitter to an extent. We'll be, in, be getting into some of those questions. We are also going to be getting into a little bit from Mark Stein's news piece where he basically wrote that Facundo, Facundo – oh, my goodness. Facundo Campazzo um, – <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I told you guys that I would never be able to say Faku's uh full say name. Facazo. I like that. Yeah, Facazo is what me and started doing. <laughs> but anyways, Facazo, if you wanna as we would now start calling him, I'm really sorry if that offends any of the Argentinian fans. It's just a joke. It's it's a nickname, even I, I'm glorifying him if you wanna <laughs> view it like that. Okay. But Faku Campazzo, essentially, um, Mark Stein talked about in his newsletter that he wasn't really guaranteed anything. He, um, you know, obviously his contract is non-guaranteed, and he himself um, doesn't even have a guarantee that he'll be on the roster. I mean, I don't know why this this date specifically. I don't know exactly what it denotes since I don't think the trade deadline is still about a month later. But he won't, specifically won't even doesn't even have the uh, assurance he'll be on the roster beyond January tenth. And I mean, for the, and you know, going off that point, he said that that's you know basically the reason that Drogic didn't come here was because he would be essentially filling that composite role. So that would lead us to believe that the Mavericks have more glorious plans um, in their pursuit of a you know third ball handler. They they want they don't want just a filler role guy. You know, while we would digress and say that they you know, should go out and get a Jared Butler, for instance, or just anybody who can improve this roster. Uh, the Mavericks are essentially saying that, no, we're going to play the waiting game and it's going to work out for us and that they are going to get this, you know, certified third ball handler, maybe even second ball handler. Maybe the Mavericks are trying to get somebody better than Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, it, it, all signs, if, if, you know, if they're really looking at, if they're really trying to get something, you know, at this, like, as grandiose as, you know, something that, you know, would tell make Drogic not even have a role in this team. Um, you know, it, it seems like they're really trying to push their chips in, play the waiting game, see what they can get via trade. But before we get into all that today, we don't have just an ad first, but Jaron is going oh, to okay. talk, talk here a little about um, – the recent uh, rumblings on NBA Twitter, um, there was kind of a little uh, scuffle started between Kirk Henderson and the uh, host over at Locked On Warriors. 
Um, they had some comments that, you know, obviously we typically wouldn't be getting into these things, but we feel like they, these comments pertain to us and yeah, exactly. fans making content. You know, that's, that's merely what we are right now. We don't, we, we, we both Jaron and I do have dreams and um, aspirations, aspirations. Yes. To go higher within this industry at some point. Um, hence why we felt like this was a really relevant topic for us to talk about in today's podcast. So before we uh, go to the ad break, uh, Jaron would like to, I guess, just give our consensus in terms of um, what the lockdown warriors um, basically said and what, and our disagreements with it. And so uh, just go ahead and tell everybody for those who didn't hear. Yeah. Okay. um, So the lockdown warriors has said, yeah. So those for those that didn't listen, um, I don't know. Uh, they took like it, it sounded like they took like they were meaning to talk about this in a sense. Uh, it seemed like they had been talking about this behind closed doors, and then someone just opened up about it on the podcast live. Uh, and it was about a minute 20 segment where they were just kind of going off about how non credential reporters or non credential content creators, for that matter, shouldn't be really even like thought of whenever it comes to like fan spectrum and who you listen to and who you watch um and honestly it was really ignorant uh just in the fact that you know i think that i like i don't even know what the whole point of it was Uh, i just think that they're kind of un unaware of who they were affecting in it and they were affecting overall probably 90 percent of content creators in the basketball community uh i don't know warriors media too much so i don't know if they like are the only podcasters in that warriors media i highly doubt it uh, no, they definitely I, aren't. Obviously, there's there's plenty of other yeah um, podcasters like, within that Warriors media sphere. But you know, you a lot of the podcasters within the Warriors media sphere like tended to agree with them and actually like retweeted some of their stuff. So yeah, no, it's just much, you know? like honestly, like disgusting to see and kind of sad to see how many like uh, not not how many, but like uh, just what their thoughts were and it like as they were getting kind of blasted on twitter like they were holding true to their points and like if that makes no sense to me like i can understand their argument but it there's no validity to it um and basically like what sums it up is they just basically said like nobody should be listening or being entertained by non-credentialed sources yeah or no. i mean they didn't even try to reason with anybody yeah. who had any sort of counter arguments they simply they simply like Held true to their standpoint, which, which, you know, I can see to an extent where they're coming from. Yeah, like I can understand. Standpoint of um, just like maybe them feeling like, you know, they're getting fans took away and by illegitimate podcasts and things like that. Like, you know, I, I get their their drive for passion and success, but um, why why try to undermine others essentially, and why no, try I to mean, tell people who why they shouldn't shouldn't be able to create basketball content you know it's a free market um anybody can listen to whoever they want in the nba basketball f- sphere and no, i can exactly. tell you straight up that we don't get much listeners whatsoever no um, and we don't and we're but... definitely not the best podcast out there by any means but we love doing this and we love producing content for you guys and, and we may not have credentials now but we hope to within i don't know probably three years or two years i guess we still have left yeah uh, i mean you know, we're still in college and all that. Um, and that's, you know, an exponential that we hope to um, go on, you know, 
as we continue on this mainstream Mavs, you know, Dallas Mavericks basketball podcast journey. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I just don't, I think our main message from it is not to, you know, really go out and argue with these people. We don't have the um, posse or any of that to, you know, engage ourselves in that sort of uh, Twitter disagreement or would they care um, other, you know, other people, other figureheads are already arguing with them. I think our, our point is that we just don't want anybody like us who's in a position like us, who's, you know, maybe a little younger and they're just trying to achieve something with this, you know, because there, there are plenty of people who just do this as a hobby yeah. and just do this because they enjoy talking about it and they have jobs where they work eight to 10 hours outside of this. And those people shouldn't be undermined whatsoever anyways, because this is their passion and their like, passion. Yeah. Why they, yeah. But I mean, for us specifically, like, yes, we may actually have aspirations of this outside of it just being a hobby, but you know, you know, we're younger, like I said, and the other people in our sort of realm that are, you know, on the same level playing field that me and Jaron, who are just trying to start this out, you know, really see if it's something they want to do with their future. If this is the calling card podcasting to something bigger. Um, I don't, I just don't like the message in terms of what it, um, what it denotes to people like that. Um, basically saying like, yeah, like don't chase your dreams because you're not credentialed, you know, like to understand, yeah, exactly. you know, if you're looking at it relatively. So, you know, that's, that's our thoughts and feelings on it. Um, but we just want to get that out before we started the podcast here because we thought that that was really important. We appreciate you guys for listening to that. I apologize if that was irrelevant to you, but <laughs> we thought it was really important. So anyhow, um, before we um, get into all this Maverick stuff, of course, now we're, we're veering away from that's, uh, that little saga. Yeah. Here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaren, so getting into it, looking at this little tidbit here from Mark Stein, his recent newsletter, um, talking about, Facundo Campazzo and his role with the Mavericks and how he's obviously on a non-guarantee contract, not even assured to be on the roster past January 10th. So we obviously talked about in the intro that this kind of essentially means that the Mavericks are probably looking at some like bigger, you know, grandiose scheme here in terms of their pursuit of that secondary third, whatever you want to call it, ball handler. And because, you know, Mark Stein obviously says in this newsletter that Drogic um, would have been subjected to the same role as Faku, and that's obviously his biggest drawing point for going to Chicago. So I just wanted to get your general um, thoughts on the Mavericks choosing to, you know, pursue, you know, an actual, like, an actual, like, deal breaker in terms of a secondary playmaker slash ball handler, you know, probably a guy, I guess, in this scenario. That would be better than Dinwiddie. It seems like all signs are pointing towards the Mavericks making some sort of mid-season trade, trying yeah. to drive the value up of some of their guys on the roster versus settling for just another tertiary ball hand or, you know, like getting another guy on the market for a minimum. Or do you think that, like, um, I guess, like, do you think that it really doesn't matter? Like, oh, they could have just signed a Jerry Butler. At least that's, you know, more assurance. And then you can still chase another guy. Like, I, I don't know that. That's kind of where I dwell on it. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, dare I say it, uh, as a Mavs fan, this kind of gives you a little bit of hope. Um, but no, like, I at this point, like, 
you know, I think anybody with a non-guaranteed contract through January 10th or whatever the date was, like, I don't know, I feel like it'd be kind of a turnoff. And so to get, like, at least a guy who can handle the ball and give you some sort of flashy pass since, I mean, like, it doesn't hurt to have him as a backup. Um, it, like, in that sense, and, you know, you can still argue, like, you can get better people and stuff like that. Uh, but in terms of the Dragic situation, like, I feel like this kind of shuts it down if it's Dragic's camp saying no. Um but I mean, like, like, look, like it's clear we have not addressed that backup or secondary ball handler for that matter. And, you know, to hear like that it, they're aware of this really, honestly, like a, this is like the really one big hole in this team, like and that they're aware of it, uh, where really all offseason, it sounds like they've just been kind of ignoring it and finding excuses around it. Uh, it honestly gives you a little bit of hope to know, like, maybe there is a bright, brighter future. Um, in terms of that hole and it possibly being filled either with a second star or secondary ball handler. Um, and to your reference, like it could be better than Dinwiddie. And I mean, like maybe like we saw, I think we're going to see the best Dinwiddie be like a guy off the bench who maybe what we, what we saw similar to last year. I think that's maybe the best version of Dinwiddie that we might get not to say that he's not going to go off this season. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it kind of gives you hope. And I, for that matter, like I question who that might be. Uh, with that secondary ball handler because I really don't know who would be on the trade market at this point yeah you know this is obviously going to be a guy I assume that any sort of disgruntled star come the trade deadline you know we'll just have to see how that all comes into fruition but I'm sure you know you'd think that the Mavs obviously have some names in mind um, you know I'm not projecting to the future I'm not going to go ahead and be like oh it's Bradley Beal it's blah 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 we'll, we'll end up you know addressing that as you know we get closer to the deadline yeah. and rumors start to come more rampantly but um you know, I, I would tend to agree with you that I, I definitely have an optimistic approach. You know, I, I may not necessarily agree with the Mavericks um, process here in terms of how they're doing it, um, but I definitely see their direction, if that makes any sense. I, I think where, you know, it still kind of puzzles me is, you know, if you could get a free agent to agree to come here, you know, i.e. a Jared Butler or, you know, a young guy that you could take a flyer on, why not do that, um, you know, still on a minimum deal? And then, you know, you'll still have the – and then, you know, you still hope to build up the assets to um, go ahead and chase a secondary ball handler. I mean, taking a fire on a young guy, that could even, you know, be a integral part of a – well, not integral part, but I could even help you um, in your pursuit of a secondary ball handler via trade. Like, you could include one of those guys in those trades. So – I still like, I guess the composite thing still really doesn't make much sense to me. My only justification for it maybe is that Composo is one of the only guys in the NBA that was willing to take this like really like exactly. Yeah. Non-guaranteed, you know, end of the bench complete, you know, you're not going to play anything role for the Mavericks. So that's really seems like what they're offering. Like they are very serious that for whatever reason, you know, Composo is not even like really merely, backup assurance he's just there to fill a roster spot almost like you know they they just it almost seems as if like they don't even want him playing like they're really just holding out for that um you know esteemed secondary ball handler to be acquired whether that be via trade or free agency at some time over the next year um i don't know the situation just is like weird to me i I just don't understand why you know why couldn't a composo um clock some minutes here and there if really need be and I mean I'm sure he will at some point but or that he will at some point but 
the, I don't know the situation. I'm not saying that, you know, he's the savior to any of the Mavericks playmaking problems, but he could at least help a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just a really weird situation to me, I, I guess. Um, but I, I see the Mavericks direction. I just don't agree with their process. You think that's a fair assessment? No, I, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, like, I know we're going to like dive deeper into this question as uh, the podcast goes, but yeah, I mean, like to your point, like, why not give a guy like Compazzo or Jane Hardy a chance whenever there's a clear void of that quote unquote role. And it's like it, it, that in that sense, like it just doesn't make sense as to why you're signing this guy. Then again, it is just game one. So we'll have to see. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Give a role. You know, it just seemed from that newsletter as if the Mavericks like had no intention of playing specifically Compazzo. I don't know about Jaden Hardy. Um, yeah. So, and it, it's <clears throat> to add to that, like, it's kind of weird that, yeah whenever asked about it, like Jason Kidd would all, he'd get all giddy and stuff like that. Like, it's just kind of weird to me how a guy that like, you know, you coming into camp, like you, you get all happy about. And like, basically it seems like there's no role from him from this article. No. Yeah. Whatever I it is. I agree. It is a really um, weird situation. There's no, no, no way to spin it. There's the sort of like back and forth that it, um, it presents so yeah um anyhow i guess moving on from that let's go ahead and get into some questions that we have after the first game because this is the um sort of centripetal um topic of this podcast that we really want to get into obviously a lot of questions i feel like have presented themselves after that first game i feel like that's very apparent um i think the first one that i have um is when will christian wood get more minutes on this team when will he become a starter when at what point in the season are we going to see that um you know specifically obviously all the christian wood rotation questions came about after the first game so i just want to get your thoughts on terms on the um i just want to get your thoughts in terms of when do you think christian wood is really gonna um get elevated by this coaching staff to you know earn the trust of them and get more minutes because you know all signs point towards him being you know a huge offensive plus when he's in the game and you know, how, how long can you hold a guy like that back on the bench? Um, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I, to answer that, not long. I, I believe so. Um, I know in his post-game interview, uh, I don't know exactly what question he was asked. I'm pretty sure it was like, do you feel like you should have had a bigger role in this game? Somewhere along the lines of that. And basically his answer was like, I just haven't gained the trust, trust of the uh, coaching staff. And I mean, like, in a sense, I agree with it, you know, especially going, I think it was like two of eight from the line or something that game. Uh, and like three of ten. What was it? Three of ten. Three of ten. Okay. Um, and like in a sense, I can understand that. Like it speaks to quote unquote trust. But uh, I mean, like whenever a guy is dropping twenty five points, and what we hope for him to do is like eerie, is what similar uh, than we saw in that first game. Like we hope that he can do that all season long, and for that to come off the bench is just makes no sense to me. Um, I, I understand like bench depth and everything, but I mean you have a a guy who's flashy and score and Tim Hardaway. So scoring shouldn't be a problem off the bench. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't think it'll take very long. I just think however long. I will say it, that scoring will be a problem off the bench when, when Tim's not hitting. <laughs> okay. Well, well, from what we saw in the first game, this is assuming, I think, I think we can safe to say like, it's or, more so that like, you know, it's not even about like the scoring off the bench. It's not even a stylistic thing. In my opinion, you know, they, they'll say that. But yeah, obviously that they just want him to be able to gain their trust and 
they want the coaching staff wants to see something from him defensively before they just give him that starting role, even though we all know damn well he should like he's talented enough to yeah. use right now. Yeah, it, I mean, like, I think a question is also like that can be brought up is like whenever because it seems like with Jason Kidd, like starting lineup changes are pretty, pretty often and they happen quite a bit. And so I think whenever that starts in this season, like I think he'll consistently get more and more starts. Uh, maybe one game here and there, like he'll start and then he'll start playing well and start earning the trust of the coaching staff. And then it'll start happening more and more often. Um, also, another thing is just like, if he is to replace JaVale McGee, uh, I mean, what JaVale McGee has harped all really mm-hmm. since media day, that the reason why he came to Dallas was because of his starting role. Uh, and so in a sense, like, does that create a disgruntled locker room if he took over that JaVale McGee spot? Um, I think that there's ways you can work around that, whether it's taking Dinwiddie out or Reggie Bullock out. Um, but yeah, I mean, to speak to that, like there, there's some things that you need to work around uh, before you can fill them in in that starting role. It's just a matter of when. And I, I hope the answer is soon. No, yeah, 100 percent. I mean, there's just a lot of questions surrounding him starting. I, I don't know. It kind of makes me like look back into that offseason. Were the Mavericks wrong in the way that they handled some of these things regarding JaVale, like promising him starting? Is that really worth it? You know, after they had already accumulated Christian Wood, was this kind of in the cards the whole time? I guess is my question. It's just, I don't know. It's just a really interesting situation. You know, I don't know like how many other NBA teams would have like kept a Christian Wood if they had they acquired him on their bench, like to start the season. Is that a fair argument? No, I mean, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so I, it's just, like, really weird. But at the same time, you know, I don't completely disagree with it. Like, I, I understand the whole making him prove it on defense. I honestly like it to an extent. Um, You know, I just don't want this. I just want to preface that I really hope this doesn't become, like, a situation where Christian would, you know, just abs- – if the offensive fit with him and Luca is so it, – it, so good, just, like, their pick and roll – combo is just you know off the charts in terms of production and you know there's really no stopping it and they just become the way they play off dynamic duo i mean they yeah they only played 14 minutes um together in the suns game if if that really starts to come into fruition like how long can you hold this back like yes i know defense is at a premium that is very important in the nba there's no doubt about it but like that uh, the offensive potential just fractures it completely in terms of how much it dwindles it so I, I guess my question to you is how long do you think that the coaching staff can hold Christian Wood back? Because I don't necessarily disagree with them, but I'm just saying I feel like there's a certain point that, you know, we were going into this with the expectation that this isn't going to just be some, um, you know, this this is going to be like a finite thing. Like Christian Wood's time on the bench will come to an end. So um, when do you think, if you had to project, like how long do you think they can hold him back if he continues at the rate that he did in the Suns game um, from starting? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess like backing up here for a second, like I think I think everybody really around the Mavs pretty much thought, you know, he's not going to be on the bench for long. Uh, if I had to put a timetable on it um, at this rate, I feel like I, and again, I mean, we've only seen one game. We have not clearly seen enough. I think we'll I think we'll get a lot of what we think what we're going to see out of the starting lineup, I think, uh, in this home opener on Saturday. Um, but a timetable i think i think within like 20 to 30 games i feel like we could see a prominent starting role for christian wood i think that's very fair 
I think fans will get disgruntled though within like exactly. two games. Yeah. So it's a really interesting situation to monitor going forward. I just don't like it depends on how good he is and how fast it is. Like, I mean, if he continues to just go at the at the rate that he was going in the Suns game, if he's going at that rate consistently like 10 games. every game, like ten games, yeah, there's no way. Um, so yeah, I mean, and like you said, like who he who he'd replace is really interesting to me. Would he replace Reggie? Um, would he replace Spencer? Like, you know, instead of JaVale at first, that could avoid some locker room questions in regards to that, like you had talked about, um, regarding, you know, JaVale maybe becoming stubborn or what have you. So that's a really interesting situation to me um, going forward, but it's obviously a difficult situation to handle. So I really hope that the Mavericks don't screw this up for um, for their sake because, I don't know, if Christian Wood's playing like that, I damn sure want his ass extended um, yeah. come February, you know, or whenever it is, you know. I mean, I know Mass fans were already calling it for that on Twitter, but <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, we'll, we'll, let's see how he plays a little bit. You know, give it a few more games, but still, like, you know, I he he basically is the Chris Haps Porzingis we essentially never had. If this is how he continues to play, would you agree with that? Uh, I, I'd uh, in extent, uh, like certain degrees, yes, I would. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, maybe you can make the argument KP was at one time a better rim protector. Um, I don't know. But, he had a, like, at least just judging off game one, like, he had a weak side block uh, at the rim. No, no, I mean, he had that good block, but I'm just talking like about – Like, KP. I, yeah, I was talking about, like, KP. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe not, you know, injury-riddled, waning, his time in Dallas waning <laughs> KP. Maybe, like, bubble KP, you know, definitely a better rim protector. But, no, de- for sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, just in terms of the offensive um, potency with Luka – I think that that's something that we could discover with Christian Wood that we had only like dreamed of between Luca and Chris Steps, which I think um, that that that's definitely exciting. Yeah, um, and that's that duo if ever did come true, like that's just too good to not put on the starting floor together. No, exactly. Regardless of you know any sort of defensive concerns, but I mean Christian yeah. Wood did not look terrible in his Defense first half. I mean he missed a couple rotations in that first half specifically. I remember that's just communication to the team. I yeah. think that's going to be the time. Like, I remember, like, we talked about in that um, post-game pod, like, he missed a rotation on a Cam Johnson backdoor dunk. Late in the game, he didn't close out on Damian Lee one play in the fourth quarter when he had one of his threes. But, you know, besides that, it didn't really look like too terrible of a game defensively, honestly. No, not really. Honestly, a little above average. So, you know, it'll be really interesting to go forward. But I think that's the biggest question that we have to um, cover. Um, I guess, like, we've kind of already addressed it, like, uh, I guess we're doing you ask one, I ask one. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we're only going to do two questions. I just figured we'd do two, like, you know, major, centric, yeah. you know, big-themed questions from that came from that game. So, I mean, I'm intrigued uh, to, to see what your question is. Yeah, so, I mean, this like, we've already kind of discussed it, of course. Uh, but this kind of goes into, like, this, quote-unquote, third ball, third ball handler role. Um, and, I mean, with this recent newsletter that came out by Mark Stein, like, it's it's really just a matter of buying time at this sense. Uh, but would the Mavericks give a chance to Hardy or Faku at that um, third ball handle role in a real game? Um, I guess you know, it's real I, minutes. I could see either of them obviously getting spot minutes when, like a real real you know, minutes when you need like an offensive jolt and the Mavericks are down like fifteen and you just need somebody to go in there and fill. But I mean, real real minutes. Um, I don't know. I, it, from the looks of it, Composo does not seem to be in the um, in the camp for real real minutes and unless he starts to prove something within regular season games in his little opportunities that he gets hardy. 
Um, that's that's really interesting to me. I think that Hardy could get real minutes if he, you know, I mean, it's same with him to the extent that he'll have to show something in game. But I mean, I don't know. I th- I think there's going to be one or two games down the line, maybe in the next few games, honestly, where they gave him a shot. If he capitalizes upon that, he honestly might start to crack into the rotation consistently, even if he just capitalizes to an extent. Um, but if not, I, I think they're they're really going to hold him back um, in terms of being at the end of the bench. Um, not, I don't think that this coaching staff is one to limit young players like we saw under the Rick Carlisle regime. Um, but I, I think that they are – the Mavericks understand where they're at, and I feel like they understand that it's not a luxury they can – really afford to be playing a guy like Hardy um, consistently all night, just given what he has to do. Cause you know, Hardy's peak version of his game is really, really good. Yeah. Um, but if he, if he starts, you know, really costing things consistently, you know, the Mavericks don't have that sort of experimental uh, time. Like they don't have that sort of leniency. So I, I think to an extent, yeah. I mean, like he has, he'll have an opportunity at some point within the next couple of games just seeing if he seizes it will be really interesting to me, but I just hope he's not kept on as much no, as, I mean, as Rick Carlisle held on some young players. Like, yeah. at, least give him, like at least give him like a game. Like don't yeah. like, pull him when he does like the first turnover, like at least like see a little bit, like, you know, obviously you don't want him costing games upon games, but you know, at least give him a little chance at some point. No, I mean, without a doubt, like I think Jason Kidd uh, in terms of Rick Carlisle, I think he's way more open to the fact of younger guys, uh, playing in the rotation than Rick Carlisle clearly was. Um, I mean, you can probably list off like 20 examples of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I liked what you said where it'll probably be early on to where we see Jane Hardy minutes, uh, just experimenting with the lineups and what you can do and what, what everybody provides. Um, and honestly, like, yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if we see early on adjustments and maybe a handful of Hardy or Faku Composo minutes, um, maybe not like regularly, but like in a, in a third quarter scenario where again, Dinwiddie or Luca is in foul trouble. And those are your main ball handlers. Like why not throw a guy out there, see what happens. Um, and just to add to that, like, yeah, I mean, especially against hurt. lesser teams, I would say is like, where exactly. You really and we have to... a handful of games coming up against the thunder, the magic. Like I think the magic might be a little bit of a harder opponent than the thunder right now. Um, but yeah, I mean like throw them out there, see what happens. Like it doesn't hurt. No, hundred percent. If it's yeah. a bad opponent, <laughs> exactly. No, it, that that would really intrigue me. Those scenarios, and I, I mean, I'd be expi- excited specifically about Hardy to see where that leads. I mean, obviously, so Frank has the right ankle effusion. I'm kind of going, you know, Davis Bertans obviously has that right knee effusion. I mean, do you think that those guys, um, when they recover, whenever that is, we're like really unsure about anything going on with yeah, them? I don't, yeah, I was like, I don't know. Uh, Frank wasn't with the team um, last time we checked. Obviously. Do you think those guys play a part in the rotation whatsoever um, when they get back from injury? Yeah, in terms of, like, I think out of all the guys that we've talked about, whether it's Faku uh, or Hardy, like, I think there's a name that we're clearly forgetting, and that's Frank Nilakina. And I hate to sound like Jason Kidd right now. Uh, you're forgetting about Nilakina and stuff like that. But we really are. Like, I think Frank, out of all the three guys that we just mentioned, including uh, Bertans here, I think Frank has the guy or is the guy with probably the biggest role and probably will play real minutes and that will be his third quarter minutes i mean there's a good example to set like in the playoffs uh frankly lakina had some pretty solid minutes and you know locked up devin booker in his time and so what would that have looked like on monday had had a uh, nilakina been healthy 
Um, so I think that there's like answers to be answered there, whether it's like, is it Frank Nilekina? Is it Hardy? Is it Faku? Uh, at those quote unquote third ball handler minutes. Well, I don't even know if like I I think I could see Frank getting more minutes than those guys. It's not Frank it's not may, third ball. Frank handler. may be that like tenth guy. I think it would kind of maybe rotate between him and Davis in terms of who that tenth guy in the rotation is. You know, but you know I think Frank would project more as a three and D wing more so than the ball handler position. Like I don't think he would be coming in filling ball handler minutes. If that makes sense. No, yeah, I just defensively, I think he'd be picking up. No, he'd be know. picking up guards for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, this may be a hot take, but I, I mean, I've talked about this with you. I honestly think Frank Nilekina might be the best. Um, in terms of defending guards, I think he's the best um defender on the Mavericks on the team. Right yeah, now. without a doubt. I, Just I, in I terms of defending guards, strictly, like I don't Reggie think Bull, Reggie Bullock's a close second, but I think Frank has better foot speed and he's a little quicker. Um, has a little bit. But, I mean, I don't know. If he doesn't have better length than maybe Reggie, but. I think, you know, strictly defending ones and twos, I think Frank honestly might be better, but obviously he's not the best wing defender on the team. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, um, no. yeah like I think in terms of just strictly wing defenders, I think he's probably the best. Like you said, like there's an argument to be made for Reggie. Uh, but you, you mean guard defenders? Kinda, guard defenders, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just um, But yeah, like just with, I mean, just just with like speed and lateral speed and everything like that, like it has to be Frank. I would definitely agree. Um, do you have any more questions in terms of like main big theme questions that came from that first game that you'd like to address? I mean, I'm sure obviously there's more, and we got into them in some of in um some of our segments from our last podcast, but you know, obviously just wanted to address these real quick. Um, but if you have anything else, I definitely would like to hear it. No, like honestly, I don't think I have anything bigger picture. Uh, I mean, there'll be whenever we cover this uh, Memphis versus Ma- Mavericks preview, like there'll be some questions there. Um, but for bigger picture questions, I don't think I have anything. All right, let's go ahead and get into this Mavericks versus Grizzlies preview for tomorrow's game. Just looking at the injury report for tomorrow's game on the Grizzlies side of things, obviously Jaron Jackson Jr. is continues to be out. Um, was it, What is it, a torn MCL, I believe? It's some yeah, I think or is his foot. I don't know what. It was. No, yeah, it was, it, was his, it was his foot. But yeah, obviously he had that um, injury at the beginning of the offseason, so he's gonna stay out. Obviously, Danny Green's out. He's probably not gonna play all year with his um, ACL injury. Dylan Brooks may be playing. He's not. The Grizzlies are gonna be on the second night of a back to back, so that's something to keep in mind. They're playing the Rockets tonight, but Dylan Brooks is sitting out um, tonight's game versus the Rockets. Um, as we're recording this on Friday night. So he'll be sitting at that. And then Zaire Williams is also going to be out as, you know, he continues to work on his knee and progress in a one-on-one setting, as it says here in ESPN. So um, that's, so the Grizzlies obviously losing some like really key rotational pieces, yeah. here, obviously. And honestly, their second best player in Jaron Jackson Jr. The Mavericks, on the other hand, um, Devin, uh, what, I don't know why I said Devin, Frank <laughs> Nilakina and... Davis Bertans continues to be out with both of their respected effusions. Um, Davis with his uh, right knee effusion and Frank with his right ankle effusion. So do you think um, how much of an advantage does the Grizzlies guys being out um, give the Mavericks in this game, just from the standpoint of all these rotational players missing, but, you know, do keep in mind that the Grizzlies obviously beat the Knicks the other night, um, but that's the Knicks. So yeah, it's the Knicks first game. I'm not, Keeping up with their score versus the Rockets right now, I believe they are playing now. Let's see. 
Yeah, I was like, I want to look this up actually. Yes, they are. It's they're losing. They're down by oh it's, never mind. It's a tie game. Seventy four to seventy four right now. Seventy four seventy four. Yeah, in the third quarter. Um, but Dylan Brooks could come back tonight. I mean, tomorrow when we uh the Mavericks play, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah I, I mean, I just want to get your general thoughts in terms of what you think. Um, do the Mavericks have a good opportunity to start this uh home opener here up with a win? Yeah, so I, I mean, clearly, like the Grizzlies, as you pointed out, have some really key guys out. Uh, what looks to be for a long period of time in Zaire Williams, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Danny Green. Uh, Dylan Brooks, I don't know how severe his injury is. If he is back tomorrow night uh, versus the Mavs, then I think that brings – I mean, like Dylan Brooks, he's a clear 3-and-D kind of guy, uh, and I think that's just an extra guy to guard. Does he start, I think, is a real question, and I, that I'm not sure of. They've. I think they had – I, mean, I, I think he's, he's a little more dynamic than just a 3-and-D guy, honestly. Like, he has, like, this whole little dribble – pull-up game he is I mean I've seen Dylan Brooks he's really like hard play I mean obviously we know how hard he plays but I mean he's a he's a bully ball type of guy in terms of like the way he'll just trouch his way to the rim I don't even yeah, know if yeah, word, yeah. that's what I felt like saying in terms of the way he gets to the rim so it seems like who's starting in his place is this, I don't know I've never uh I think he's played in the NBA before but Santi Aldama I know he oh, yeah really he actually good, did pretty good in the first game yeah I know he had a really good game against the Knicks tonight it looks a little lackluster um, but it seems like him and John Conchar are kind of starting in his place. I don't know who would, he would take over, but, um, I mean, with that being said, like, of course there's some key guys, but like, I think pretty much the same team that we saw against the Knicks is what we'll be seeing tomorrow night. I, again, I don't know how severe Dylan Brooks's thigh injury is. Um, but with that being said, I think, you know, you stick to your game plan, of course, uh, same rotation, maybe. I guess Frank Lakeen is out. Like, let's say one of these guys like uh, Spencer or Luca gets in foul trouble early. You know, you get these third quarter minutes. Let's throw Jane Hardy out there. Uh, get a little fan excitement in there. It's home opener. Like, let's see something fun. Uh, yeah. No, you know, make no mistake about it. Like, this Grizzlies team does have potential to make this a game. But, you know, given the sort of, um, I guess, what's, what's the word? I guess the limitations that have been put on this roster given injury and what have you, you know, it is going to limit them to an extent. Obviously, Concher and Santi Aldama, both, you know, good contributing role players on the team. You know, some honestly, I, I would both kind of pencil both of those guys in as just all-around players, guys that can do a little bit of everything, um, both really good shooters, um, can also provide, you know, probably both above – and Concher's uh, – case he's you know slightly above average defender um aldama is a really you know active big good rebounder um can really shoot it from deep so you know both of those guys um i really do think are like solid rotational pieces but you know they're nothing spectacular obviously they're i think the mavericks can easily come out and match the energy of this grizzlies team you know yeah. obviously the guys on the forefront here you know you're looking at John Morant, Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain, who had a really rough start to the season, you know, but, you know, obviously Desmond Bain's basically a prototypical, really good three and D player. And, you know, exactly. you're going to have to deal with jaw, but this, you know, given the limitations of this Grizzlies team, especially when you're missing your best defender and Jaron Jackson Jr., especially if they're missing Dylan, Bo Dylan Brooks, I think it's, um, I think it's 
I wouldn't say pencil in a win, but I think the Mavericks could definitely come out and steal the home opener. Yeah, they can um, they can jump on the Grizzlies. Yeah, they could do it pretty easily um, and convincingly. Um, it's just a matter of you know did, how how much did that first game first game you know affect the Mavericks? Does having two days off in between games to start the season is that bad? Is that going to inhibit them whatsoever? Is that going to um, give them you know some good time to? collect themselves and you know it will be interesting to obviously just see the rotations going forward who who may play more who might get a shot is christian wood going to get more minutes um i don't know needless to say though i'm very excited for the home opener um just looking at some of the matchups uh who do you expect um to guard jaw when the uh, mavericks play the grizzlies on saturday i mean i don't think you have an answer for john Morant first off but if i had to guess it'd probably be reggie bullock yeah Uh, just in the way he guards guards. Um, but again, I mean, like, it's just a matter of containing jaw. Like, and I think, I think Reggie Bullock gives the best opportunity just to quote unquote contain him. Yeah, um, no, I mean, I think the good thing about jaw is like, he is honestly like, he's really up and he's not a bad shooter. I hate people. No, he's not a bad shooter. shooter. He's he's, he's he is definitely like an inconsistent shooter. He'll have nights where he's really hot and nights, you know, he's not Damian Lillard. He, if, he's not, torching you and drop coverage so that does give me some confidence that the Mavericks schematically on defense especially when JaVale's playing they'll have something to fall back on you know it's a lot harder for you know if the Mavericks are playing drop with JaVale um, and Jaw tries to attack the paint you know it's going to be a lot harder for him to finish around some of that stuff so I think that that's encouraging um, you know when the Mavericks are playing switch heavy and, um, you know, say Christian Wood or Maxie's in the game, I think that that's when, you know, I may get a little more um, hesitant in terms of, you know, how good Jaw's going to start doing and if he starts torching them and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, if he starts making his jump shot, it's over. So you, exactly. just, have live, you just have to live with it at that point because, yeah, yeah like, um, <laughs> but, you know, just hopefully, you know, obviously Zaire Williams, another key, you know, contributing young player on that team, Seems like he's definitely out. So if Dylan Brooks plays, you know, I could, you know, if we're just projecting, I could, I, I think the Mavericks are going to win this one, hopefully within, you know, possibly, you know, 10 points by double digits. I think they'll win by double digits or more. But, you know, if Dylan Brooks is playing, do the Grizzlies have, is there credence to the fact that the Grizzlies could come in and steal this? Yes. And I mean, yeah. even in their current state, this start of season, everybody's playing as hard as they can. Um, the Grizzlies definitely aren't tanking. They're just waiting for some of their guys to get back before the end of the year. So, I mean, they're they're trying to hold their ground in the water. They're by all means, this Grizzlies team is wanting to win just because their roster is not at full capacity right now. Yeah, I mean, they like can, getting as much wins as you can until your roster is full capacity. Like that's what they're trying to do right now. Yeah, no, I mean, looking at it, like I I forgot they had like some of their. Um, some of these guys on their team in terms of some of the guys that they were able to acquire through the draft. They got uh, Jake LaRavia, you know, really good, just sound basketball player, really good shooter out of Wake Forest. I really liked him coming out. Um, you know, obviously, Tyus Jones still at the, still on their bench. You know, Brandon Clark. Yeah. I mean, they're Xavier Tillman. Like, they're a really deep team. They got a solid rotation. It's just if they're missing some of their upper, you know, rotational pieces that – I really, I feel like that takes away from their depth to an extent. Would you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, obviously they, uh, got, they got David Roddy too. Um, yeah, I mean they they got some talented young players. It's just a matter of the fact that I, I don't think that their depth is really good enough if they're miss, if they're missing a 
Dylan Brooks and a Jaron Jackson Jr., for instance, I don't think their depth matters as much because, you know, you just don't have enough talent at the top, you know, versus a team like the Mavericks where you could argue their depth may not be as good as the Grizzlies, but they're a lot more top heavy. And that, that honestly, I think can bode well for you better in regular season games. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I guess just kind of like answering questions here. Um, my big question here is like, uh, I mean, we saw later in the game where rebounding became a trouble for the Mavericks uh, against the Suns. And as we all know, Steven Adams might be one of the better rebounders in the game of basketball right now. Uh, it, it's just, you know, do you I mean, think this the Grizzlies Mavericks... team really rebounds? Yeah, I mean, they're really John good. had 11 rebounds in their game versus the Knicks. Santi Aldama had 11 rebounds. Steven Adams had 14. And Jaw can go get rebounds whenever he wants. Um, he has the hops to do so. Brandon Clark's a good rebounder. I mean, this team crashes the boards hard. And I don't necessarily think the Mavericks really did a bad job in terms of their first game. Just, the there was game. there was spurts in the Suns game where it was kind of Yeah, crazy. I would say particularly in the second half. So I think that'll be a question to be addressed. Um, but, you know, like, I guess, like, defensively, I'm not even, like, really too concerned. Um, you know, as long as the Mavericks can limit jaw to an extent. I think um, you seeing how the Mavericks play jaw in terms of drop coverage or you know, hedging on screens coming up. That's going to be really intriguing to me. Um, seeing how much minutes JaVale gets, um, you know, if he is really important in terms of protecting the rim in this game, could the Mavericks play him another five, 10 minutes? That'll all be really interesting to see. And I'm really, I'm just really excited for the home opener and seeing Christian. Yeah, no, it'll be, yeah. it'll be awesome. I know, I know the, the stadium will be popping and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so like, I know the Mavericks, like they, they've made it a point of emphasis over emphasis over the last like two seasons to kind of, like guard the star player, like make, make another player uh, shoot the lights out before we have the Devin Bookers, the John Morantz of the world, uh, like light you up. And I feel like the Mavericks did a really good job of that um, Wednesday night with Devin Booker up until we got into foul trouble. So I think like my thing is, is like, how can the Mavericks stay out of foul trouble? And if they can, like, I think that we can really limit jaw and his production value in just the standpoint of being yeah. aware and being uh, poised. And in- yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, the Mavericks can, if you can keep, you know, your guys out of foul trouble, it's obviously going to bode well for you on both sides of the floor um, going forward. There's no doubt about that. But honestly, I think who scares me the most in this game is probably Desmond Bain. Because yeah, I can see first game, <laughs> Or Tyson. You know, yeah, or or him for that matter. Because, you know, I, I feel like the Mavericks have a tendency to, you know, you know, you get your two, two guys who like really stick, you know, in terms of uh, defensively. Um, I think Desmond Bain really scares me if Dylan Brooks plays because if Dylan Brooks plays, that probably pushes Dorian to guard Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, yeah. he's gonna, you know, be, be in more of a, you know, shot creation type role um, versus Desmond Bain's like more strictly three and D. And it seems like the Mavericks, because you know the Mavericks are obviously big on, you know, you know you get a Luka Doncic for instance or a Christian Wood when those guys are in the game. You know, to an extent, the Mavericks hide them on, you know, those three and D guys who are just kind of standing in a corner or whatever. And, you know, let their let Dorian and Reggie or whoever just go and guard the best two offensive players. So if Dylan Brooks plays, I, I'm really scared in terms of what Desmond Bain might. He might just pop off and start nailing every single three. Yeah. But when, when they, I guess to like answer your question, that's like my concern in, tor- in terms of the potential Mavericks all-star of this game. It could be Desmond. Yeah. Bain. And, you know, obviously there's the ties of the draft and everything. Um, but I will say, um, I, I I think, you know, first game versus the Grizzlies of the season, home opener. I'm looking for Josh Green to really assert himself in this game. Okay. Because, uh, you know, the narrative with him and Desmond Bain, obviously, oh, Desmond Bain should have been selected. 
you know, obviously Desmond Bain's a better player, but you know, I, I want to see if Josh Green can respond to some of the noise and if, see if he can like really bring something on offense, not just on defense, like in that first game. So that'll be really intriguing to me. But besides yeah. that, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot from this game other than I'm excited to see, you know, the, the whole game go at it in the home opener because we're going to be there. We're going to get to see uh, Luca and the Mavs take on the uh, take on Jaw and the Grizzlies, of course, tomorrow night. Um, Jaron, uh, tell, tell everybody um, how they can um, link up with us as the game. Yeah, no, like, so, like, seriously, just simply DM us. Like, uh, I mean, I think that we'll pretty much be available at any points during dead ball times or at we'll, be the, our, we'll be on our phones a lot. We'll be tweeting still. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to ask you if we're going to still be tweeting, um, yeah. but like, seriously, just like DM us. Like, I mean, I feel like we're pretty nice people. So we've yeah, never, no. we've never you guys had would like to meet up with us. So. We'd like it'd to meet cool to have you guys and we're really psyched to be at the first game. Yeah, no, it'll be fun. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm really excited for it. I've been pumped for it yeah. for ever since we bought tickets a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, like, one more thing to add uh, of what I want to see is I want to see uh, some better JaVale McGee minutes. I think uh, Steven Adams is a good matchup for him, and even Brandon Clark, for that matter, and I'm excited to see. I think that he'll have a huge game, um, and not quite a redemption game, not or like redemption game, but, like, not quite a bounce-back game from game one. Like, I, I think he played pretty good. Um, but like, I'm just excited to see what he can do. I think that there's going to be a lot of pick and rolls to get the crowd going, whether that's with Christian Wood or JaVale McGee. Um, but I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, just, I I think people are, you know, discounting JaVale and trying to throw him out of Dallas kind of too quick here. I mean, it's been one game. Yeah. Like you're going to get a couple of JaVale clumsy, like isolation post-up possessions, but like, let's see how he can actually positively affect the, uh, the team, you know? I mean, I just didn't like. I mean, I don't really think he's he was he only played 14 minutes in the first game. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to get like much more than that, but he'll he'll be around that 15, 20 minute figure. And I really don't think he's always just going to be this huge net negative. I mean, I just think he had a couple bad plays in that first game. I really don't think he was honestly as bad as some people were making Matt to be. But yeah, no, I agree with you from that standpoint. Um, so yeah, but um, without that being said, uh, you guys can follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. We are available on all platforms. Um, so whether it be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a five-star rating if you so please. Um, but we are excited to be at the game tomorrow. We won't uh, I guess it'll be game the, day. It'll be game day by the time they're probably listening to it. So. No, very true. Happy game Most day. people would probably happy, listen to this. So happy hump day. Happy happy um, home opener. Did you say hump um, day? <laughs> yes, hump day, because um, that's where the game day thing originated from, like you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, I won't be – we won't be quite doing the whole – uh extensive live live tweeting specter that we did in the first game in terms of tweeting about like every single thing that's happening um on the mainstream Mavs account of course on Twitter but you know we will tweet and we might even provide some video content there we go for everybody we will um be periodically updating you guys on Twitter even though I'm sure you guys are checking the timeline all the time for everybody else anyways so that that being said we will see you guys in the post game pod tomorrow And we are excited for the home opener. Yes, sir. Let's get to it. Let's go Mavs, baby. Let's go Mavs.